Welcome to the uh, Again Nice WWE Raw Review. Me absolutely nailing life and having my mic on already and just turning it off. Good start. Really good start. Anyway, <laughs> hello and welcome to Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Im, and today we're going to be talking about Kofi Kingston and his kind of little main event push within this show. Also, a little bit of warning, my voice is a little bit raspy <laughs> coming off, yeah, coming off uh, Eurovision. And I am European, so yes, and the the uh, adult drinks that come with it. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. But the main event of One Night Raw, which was built up massively throughout the show, was Bobby Lashley's WWE Champion Open Challenge insinuated throughout the show that this was going to be for, like, for the championship. What an amazing opportunity this is to face the champion for the championship in the main event. That's huge. Who is going to accept this mighty challenge? And that's how it was built throughout the show. You've got multiple wrestlers talking about how they're going to capture that, that opportunity. Or take Bobby Lashley up on it and prove themselves. From Shelton Benjamin to Retribution to Damian Priest after his match. They had everybody just make a point. Just say something on it. Make it feel like a huge deal that Bobby Lashley's offering this. What an amazing deal it is that is being offered here. Then it comes to match time. And in universe it's a... MVP Bobby Lashley swerve. Ah, of course it's not for the title. Of course it's not. But as a viewer, it's just another WWE swerve. Just another one of them. <laughs> so, good stuff there. Uh, so the, As in, they built it up throughout the entire show. Only to swerve and go, nah, it's not for the title, is it? In a shameless move. Uh, with the difference that it had been built up throughout the entire show to be for the title. And then he went, ah, I didn't say it though, did I? And then they played the clip of Drew McIntyre interfering. So it's immediately I'm just like, well, that can't possibly be the normal thing of rewriting it during the show. As, ah, actually, we don't want it to be for the title during the show, which has happened in the past. But here, nah, 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 nah. here it, they did that at the start because they had the clip to play, which makes me think this was entirely on purpose. <laughs> which makes it just a little bit weird, just a little bit weird, just a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's purposefully built. It's, it, I'll say a little bit weird. It's a WWE trope to... Go for the swerve to piss off your audience. It's a weird one. <laughs> the idea is, again, it's the heel heat as a whole. It's going to be for the title. Ah, uh, no, nah, it's not. But I feel like we've seen that done a bit better with the US Championship. Just because there isn't that hyping of, it's going to be for the title. It's going to be for the title. What this massive deal? And then just snatched away. Ah, it's not for the title. Like, oh, but you officially were hyping it. <laughs> so you can't go, ha, fool on you, uh, viewers. You thought we put the title on the line. That's because you told us you put the title on the line. We've got no other information to go off <laughs> on your show. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but this show overall, I feel like that's just like nitty gritty stuff. Really, it was the elevation of Kofi Kingston. If it, maybe it's just go, maybe it's just a bit part in his feud with Drew McIntyre, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with like a Kofi push at all. But I kind of read this as like temporarily, because for me. It really does scream that maybe you don't have Drew McIntyre be the immediate next contender. And there's a bit of time between now and Hell in a Cell. Your TV story could be Kofi Kingston's rise. 
And I'm not I'm not against a strong TV story because Raw needs it a little bit. Modern Raw kind of needs it. So go for that. Go for that. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's an interesting one. Is he being massively pushed or is this just like a short TV thing? If purely because Drew McIntyre was massively involved in what was going on. He was all, but he was the semi-focus of it. It's like, ah, you're doing Lashley McIntyre at Hen in a Cell. Cool, got you. The biggest issue, I saw like loads of people saying it on Twitter. So like, the biggest issue with Bobby Lashley, OP, Bobby Lashley, I accidentally said my jokey name for him. But when, the biggest issue for it is there is no other contender. There is nobody for him to face. So when he says, are we doing an open challenge? Who's going to answer it aside from Drew? Who else is there <laughs> to, to face him at Hen in a Cell? There isn't anybody. But he could use his TV time to elevate someone. And there is a recently, well, relatively recently, former champion on the roster in Kobe Kingston. It does, it's not going to take much to elevate him because of that past. And this one on Late Raw felt like them maybe trying to do that in one episode. That said, they weren't exactly, you know, convincing I'm a fantastic wrestler wins. The, both of them were by distraction, like heavily involving Xavier Woods. And then Drew McIntyre for the main event as well. It was Bobby Lashley getting teamed up on with Xavier Woods distracting the referee, Drew McIntyre lamping him over the head of MPV's cane. It was, and I'm pretty certain I just called him MPV. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it, it wasn't a clean super babyface thing, even though it was treated as the, uh, we got you, we got you. Uh, which it always is when it's a babyface doing exactly what a heel would do, but it's treated as, ah, uh, we got you, didn't we? Hey, and the crowd goes, hey, you did, you got him. Um, but it, it did feel like quite a strong push for Kofi, and that's kind of like my first thing just to like hit on and talk about, which is that this whole show was building up what a mighty opportunity it was to face Bobby Lashley for the title, even with the title pulled away. It had been hyped as such a big match, and it still felt like a big deal when it happened. And of course, earlier in the night, Kofi Kingston had rolled up Randy Orton and scored a pinfall over him. And no matter what the kind of storyline reasons going on around it are, Kofi Kingston still beat Randy Orton, one of the top guys in the roster, in a singles match that immediately elevates him. Then later in the match, he pins the WWE Champion. It doesn't matter that it was by distraction or whatever, that immediately elevates him. Like, two in one night as well. It's like, you've immediately, you've just set up Kofi Kingston to face the champion. And you don't necessarily have to do it at Hell in a Cell. But for all I know, there is actually a road to Hell in a Cell. Which, to be fair, I'd really quite like to see. It's my biggest gripe with Raw that it screams made up week to week. Oh, that they change that it's so constantly changed. There isn't much of a long term, but well, not, not always a short term plan in place. Never mind a long term one. And that's not again. That's not. I'm not saying short term bad, long term good. That's not what I'm saying. Cause that's become a meme at this point. But, for me personally, mid-card TV stuff like Drew Gulak, Angel Garza, I'm perfectly fine having that be week to week. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You can go off at reactions and kind of take it certain ways. It's kind of nonsense. It's the most unknowingly homoerotic story in WWE today, and I'm fine with it. <laughs> you don't have to have a massive roadmap for that kind of storyline. But for your main event, for your massive thing leading into a big Hell in a Cell pay-per-view... Wouldn't mind at least a four-week idea <laughs> till the till June. Is it June twentieth? Hell in a cell. Just a road to at least then, at least is what I'd be fine with. Uh, but anyway, Kofi Kingston. This show for me really elevated him, and we're looking at a Kofi Kingston 
facing Bobby Lashley. He's pinned the champion. He's done the thing against where he's pinned the champion. Therefore, he's surely going to face him in the WWE style of how do we set up a title match where you pin the champion and the person who pinned him faces him. Uh, cool. <laughs> it's the only way they could possibly do it. There's no other way. Uh, that said, I still see Drew McIntyre Lashley at Hell in a Cell. So that's why it's kind of got me interested. So what, what are they elevating Kofi Kingston 2 or 4? And are they even doing that? Because to have him beat Lashley and Orton in one night, that's, no matter how it went down, that is, oh, there's, feels like there's a reason you did that. What are you building to? Is he just going to face Lashley next week for the title? Or have we got ourselves into a like different road to Hell in a Cell than we would have been expecting? Or again, is this just time filler? Kind of like Retribution were in a way for Lashley and McIntyre to eventually face each other at Hell in a Cell, which screams that is the match. It screams that they get that third pay-per-view in a row because it's, it's a WWE thing to have like a match like McIntyre. Because I can't remember, wasn't McIntyre Orton was their final match at Hell in a Cell? So does it poetically, I guess, <laughs> kind of like, yeah, have McIntyre and Lashley also end at Hell in a Cell. However, knowing WWE, this screams penultimate match, not final match. Just like the kind of rhythm. We've had WrestleMania, we've had Backlash, but Backlash was a triple threat. Then you give us just Lashley McIntyre two more times. So you've given us that three times. And by that third one, by that final one, which would be in July by that point, by that one, you are kind of just, like, mindset-wise, as you're entering the, sh- entering the build for it, it's just kind of like, I mean, it's been going on so long now, you don't really care. <laughs> That's the pattern I kind of got into with Orton McIntyre. Where, yes, there was a... A lot of quality stuff within there, but it went on so long that they, for me, they clearly got to a point where it's like, well, we're going to have to really elevate things for a reason for this feud to continue. And if that was the uh, the splinter cell <laughs> attack <laughs> by Randy Orton, and that was the like the massive moment of instigation to kick us down to like yet another match. That's what I'm expecting. Splitting hell in a cell. To feel like it should be the end, but it won't be because that's not what the schedule dictates. It's got to go on again till... Is it Money in the Bank after that? I don't know if it's super confirmed. Um, but you could do Lashley... Do you crown McIntyre at Money in the Bank with a live crowd? They didn't do it at WrestleMania. And I felt like Bobby Lashley has deserved a run. Do they still want to get the title onto Bobby Lashley or not? It's the next thing. <laughs> that is the next thing. Uh, but yeah, they... Like a strong, a strong run, really, for Kofi Kingston on this show. It just screams that they're still going to do Lashley McIntyre. So what's going to happen to Kofi? Why have you elevated him? Was it because, oh damn, we definitely need a new main, main eventer? How do we create one as quickly as possible? Was it, oh, Kofi was a main eventer a little while ago and fans still hold quite, quite a bit of resentment for how that run just came to an end with no ceremony. Like, oh yeah, could elevate him again. Wouldn't be that difficult. Fans would already be behind him. Yeah. Yeah. So a decently... I say decently strong... I, I It's the curse to say, let's see how it goes. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's not criticise it too early. Let's see how it goes. It's like, hmm. Often in WWE, that, like, more often than not, the kind of thing that's being criticised for that, on night one, screams it won't be great. <laughs> They go, oh, let's not criticize, let's not be negative numpty, let's hold it off. It's like, ah. But in this case, 
it's more questions of he did a decent job like giving Kofi Kingston two big wins even though they weren't super convincing he got two wins over two big stars that's a big deal you're on your way to elevating him at that point are they committing to anything or is it just a McIntyre Lashley thing because of what McIntyre did at the end I'm generally interested <laughs> so good on you on more for doing that because I've been watching that show and just zoning out for lots of it especially the mid card of these shows just gone like who cares kind of stuff but here that you've got me with this Kofi thing purely because I still see Lashley McIntyre in a cell can't possibly involve Kofi <laughs> so what's going on here worst case scenario it's a retribution deal that's the worst case scenario god I hope not uh, anyway I'm now going to go through the show in order starting with I guess with MVP's promo at the start of the show which is, actually, no, I'll, I'll jump to any details of life. I've talked enough about Lashley. <laughs> so, the notes I have missed is Lashley came out at the start of the show with a, with a line of women behind him as MVP cut a promo just uh, on he, how he's still standing, how there isn't going to be any McIntyre action, any Braun Strowman in action because of how devastating that main event was. And uh, But the key point was Drew McIntyre interfered. He came out and he cut the promo done. However, he did it right as MVP was about to say that uh, he, they'll be putting the championship on the line. So MVP, because he got interrupted, never said that line. Therefore, the main, they can say in the main event, oh, MVP didn't say it was for the title, so it wasn't for the title. But it's a little detail that he, were, he, could, he was starting to say that and then got interrupted by Drew McIntyre's music hitting. So it's a, a little detail that MVP then used that against the challenger. And it was Drew McIntyre in the end who attacked and got the man the win. But it wasn't for the title. You can have a little bit of angst between Drew McIntyre and Kofi Kingston because now McIntyre's the reason it's not for the title. And there's a little bit of babyface tension, even though you can say, as MVP, he, he's the one who pulled the rug from under us. It's like, I don't know, but you're the one who stopped him from saying it by interrupting. There's, there's things to play with here. There's things to play with. Which, to be fair, like New Day Orton kind of was that nice little tension of, oh, they're, they're both kind of faces right now but you've created little tensions in between them which are believable and that's really nice to see uh, so yes also they made it very clear that MVP was like saying wait didn't let me finish when McIntyre came out and started the show it's like I was saying like an open challenge to anyone but you so no chance for McIntyre but that main event screamed you're getting McIntyre anyway like <laughs> that's what it screamed from me uh, yeah like Bobby Lashley like him and MVP are the heel they're the heels, but as a viewer, I'm totally agreeing with them. It's like, yeah, it would be quite nice for there to be somebody else. And that's my one of my biggest problems with the Monday Night Raw main event. It's so incredibly shallow. And there was that same feeling when it was Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. It's like, well, who else does he face? Because they hadn't elevated anybody. It turns out Bobby Lashley was in the middle of quite a long kind of building of prestigiousness as when he gets the when he gets the opportunity oh yes I feel it I feel it uh, which was really really great to feel but it, uh, it does mean well now you're on to McIntyre Lashley same problem <laughs> uh, it's a it's it's better than only two because at least you've now got Orton McIntyre and Lashley as like your big three whatever Wyatt does who knows what's going to happen to Wyatt maybe he's going to be rebranded in a way to or just taking off TV for a little bit for them, him to return and be able to challenge for the title. Who knows? Who knows? Raw, I feel like it needs a lot of reworking. And so far since WrestleMania, I feel like lots of reworking has been happening. 
That doesn't mean they found the even balance point yet. It's still a lot of nonsense. Still a lot. Of, still a lot of stuff that kind of feels like it needs to be sorted out for me to for the show to actually be properly working. But I can feel changes are being made. So changes are being made. It doesn't mean I'm enjoying it as it happens. Which we'll get to. The next match is the perfect example of that. So AJ Styles with Omos versus Elias with Jackson Viker. And it's AJ Styles versus Elias. So oh, heel versus. Kinda heel. Like, it's nice to see progression from last week, a reaction to a loss, like the result actually meant something to the characters. What insanity. But that is an improvement from what we were seeing <laughs> the weeks after WrestleMania, the weeks going into WrestleMania. This felt like a direct reaction to previous results. Golf clap. <laughs> Golf clap. Uh, but Elias's big man in Viker wasn't as big as AJ's big man. Uh, Omos dwarves them all. Doesn't mean I was massively into the match, but at least I'm not crapping on the booking. A relative back and forth until AJ rightly got on top. However, perched on the apron for the phenomenal forearm, Riker yanked the man down for the DQ. So yeah, an F an finish after 10 minutes isn't the most appealing thing. <laughs> it does that to kicking off your Monday Night War show. But really... For me, this was just a firmer shift towards Styles and Omos becoming babyfaces. So it did that job. It's just a shame that they had a relatively built match. So it was, like, again, like 10 minutes or so. Then they just do the DQ. It's like, oh, there's going to be no it's gonna be no finish to this. Cool. It's, it's the thing of, like, making wins and losses matter. That I have now got a company that does that in AEW. I watch AEW and it feels like the results of their matches matter. They so rarely have DQ finishes. And I feel like the only time recently they have was calling an audible after somebody got injured. Well, what do we do now? That's the closest they've ever come. <laughs> this is, again, this is purposely book stuff. You don't really get finishes to matches because the important point isn't the result of the wrestling. Which means me watching the wrestling on the show doesn't feel important. You can see is massively detrimental to a three-hour wrestling show. <laughs> just, just a little bit over the course of time, if that's the kind of mentality of your booking. It, it's a, and this was another example of that, where I did like the storyline progression. I did like that it was a result. This, this match was a result of a, of a loss, and both guys are going to fight it out. I really did like that. But for it to then end in a screwy finish at the end of it, it's like, well... The important part here wasn't the result, it was shifting Age of Styles and Elmos. Which again, I've got no problems with any of the outside of the wrestling stuff. <laughs> it's just that you dedicated 10 minutes of your show to try and get me invested in the match and then didn't give me a finish. But it, and, and it already kind of managed to get me to shift. Yeah, you can, you can get your result without putting anybody over. So without putting, without having having anybody take a loss, sorry, <laughs> to be kind of take that. It's a it's an interesting one. I say I'm going to say that a lot because there is a workaround for this, and as everything else, the reason I find it interesting is everything else is so positive. It's just such a shame. It's just such a shame <laughs> that there is that the kind of start, shining little negative that is like, no, they still gives another screwy finish. So you can you can you can get through this without without doing that. Like, yeah, 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 you can do it, you can do it. Because again, the result of the match wasn't the point of the segment. They shifted Age Styles and Omos over to being a bit more babyfaces and therefore it did its job. Who cares about the result? 
well, over the course of time, surely you want me to care about the wrestling on your three-hour wrestling show. If the results don't matter, then uh, oh, it's just as good. It's just as good. Sending the message is just as good. And I'm pretty sure that's not the first time I'd employ that sarcasm. <laughs> Uh, so we got uh, Riddle backstage trying to get Randy uh, to grow as a goodie once again, attempting to get the man to apologise for last week's RKO's to New Day. Uh, he refused as Kofi drops a banger of a line in calling him, just donning him somebody who was having a reptile dysfunction. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, setting up a match between the two later in the night, which itself was like a nice little setup for the main event. So yeah, like had like three segments that tied into each other and... Every character had a spin-off from it. Even Xavier, because he, he was important in the main event. It's like, oh, four people all spun off from one match having things to do. What is this? <laughs> what is this positive praise of what match are you giving? Uh, you then got Alexa Bliss story time, right into negative. Uh, like, again, it really is time for this to go somewhere. And this week screamed, where is this going? <laughs> so it kind of spinning into the air, I guess. Uh, Tamina and Natalia were in the playground for an interview, if that's a thing now. Uh, Tamina's spooky spooked and was having none of it. Really just a way to announce the Women's Tag Team Championship rematch for tonight. Of which Alexa Bliss did take a part, because I'll just fast forward to it. Uh, the championships were on the line, because this was just a rematch. And it wasn't that long a match. Very quickly ended up into the final spot of Kane Fire, as Alexa Bliss is on the stage holding Lily. Or what could possibly be causing this fire? <laughs> As Alexa gets Kane fired to uh, fire out of the turnbuckles. And Reginald was a bit too close. Uh, so yeah, they then used the distraction as Nia ran to attend to Reginald. And the new champions in Italian Tamina hit... I want to call it the heart attack. It was a heart foundations finisher. Pretty certain heart attack. As they yeah hit that on Shayna Baszler for the win. After Reginald was relatively near the cane pyro and then was holding his eyes. As in, he's halfway down the steps. Fire goes up, he holds his eyes. Nia gets to attend to him, base is distracted as well. Hit your finisher. <laughs> then uh, Alexa Bliss's laugh was playing over Natalia's theme in a Lily <laughs> state of affairs. What did you do, Lily? <laughs> I've watched too much IT crowd. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a segment on my television that I watched and I feel like that's the best praise I can give it and after last week so as I watched last week and then I watched this one I'm like ha ha and last week I got my hopes up there was a plan <laughs> this week just it's like ah we're still in the same like the praise Alexa Bliss giving it of what's really fun what's really fun is that we don't really know where it's going so it's kind of like a new cool thing every time to go to work what are we going to do this week I'm just like I mean, there's no plan, so <laughs> there never has been a plan. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed, there's a longer term thing here. It's week one after a pay-per-view, not always going to have the strongest direction. Then settle on something quite often on week two or three to go a bit more firmly into the pay-per-view. Again, we've got till the 20th of June. There is some time to kind of just wobble around a little bit before finding your feet for the pay-per-view. But what on earth is going on here? <laughs> So she directly attacked Baszler, then she's attacked Reginald. The only one she's not gone after is Nia Jax. And I don't even know if I care why. It's like, oh, you're going after Nia, because if it's the Bray thing, then it's people from your past. And in some way, Alexa Bliss, it kind of makes sense that Lily wouldn't like Nia Jax because of the feud that they had back in 2017. I guess. 
I don't even know if that level of logic means anything with how week to week it's written. Because <laughs> Alexa Bliss screams a character, have a plan for, do your little promo things, then you've got the pay-per-view itself, and then you can actually kick off into whatever her feud is. These past few weeks of her getting involved in the wrestling just feels like it's just as make it up as you go along as it was beforehand, so there's been no lesson learned, no improvement. It's still, the Fiend stuff is, or Lily stuff, is still wrapped up in making it up week to week with no direction, but a character like that, surely, <laughs> surely it's so out there you need at least a plan to make it feel semi-grounded, otherwise you're just doing flight of fancy stuff, which... Which is my major gripe with the Alexa Bliss and Bray Wyatt era of The Fiend. It just, it dove, nosedived into Flight of Fancy because I'm making it up week to week. What do you feel like this week? And there's, there's no narrative to ground it because <laughs> you're making it up. They, they fall onto a narrative rather than it being the flaw to support what they're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. That's why I struggle to get invested in the Alexa Bliss stuff. Some people really love it. Um, nothing against them. Good for you if you're able to get stuff out of this. For me, it's the type of thing where if there was something in place, as I, as I just said, like a narrative road for them to actually walk on rather than the flight of fancy. And yeah, it's yeah, just hovering about, doing stuff. But who cares when it's got no <laughs> narrative support, any kind of falling direction. Yeah, I'm at that point now with the Alexa Bliss stuff. I want it to be good, but it needs, needs something needs to go somewhere, and I feel like making it up week to week is not the way to go. As it give me something to firmly grasp onto. If it is Nia Jax, then just give me that. <laughs> just something to grasp onto, uh, to kind of firmly go in a direction, and I feel like that should come like closer rather than later, if that is the plan. If it is. Because there was no interference of Alexa Bliss in the Women's Championship match, even though it was Charlotte Flair as the focus, staring at Bliss after the Shayna Baszler crippling... I say crippling. <laughs> the, giving Shayna Baszler cramp <laughs> in her calf last week. So if there's... And Charlotte Flair was in focus, then there was nothing at WrestleMania Backlash. Then there was nothing in Charlotte Flair's stuff this week. And I'm a bit worried. Like, oh, they, did the thing, they did the thing on Raw, then decided afterwards they didn't want to have any association with Flair with that and instead they're going into this in, as well cool <laughs> cool alright then <laughs> um, that, which again just screams oh please just have some form of narrative road <laughs> as in this is what we're doing to the pay-per-view and work off that at least I guess I guess they do it we, they have the match for the pay-per-view most likely on a card but or whatever pay-per-view it is, it might not even be Hell in a Cell for Alexa Bliss. But they have no idea how to get there. There's no week-to-week -week beat in place whatsoever. Uh, that's my prediction. I'm going with Alexa Bliss Nijax, but there is nothing in place for these next few weeks we don't really know how to get there. <laughs> and they'll be doing the callbacks and stuff. Oh, remember this, remember that. That's why I'm going after you. But it'll feel like it's being made up week-to-week. -week. That's my prediction. I'm going with it. I don't really make predictions on this, but I'm, I'm doing this one. Uh, anyway, Angel Garza, Drew Gulak, the most unknowingly homoerotic feud in WWE today. Still, well done. <laughs> Round of applause for keeping that going. Uh, perfectly fine Teddy Fodder wrapped in WWE creative nonsense. But the only reason I kind of half-jokingly gloriously praise it <laughs> is because of it's so incredibly homoerotic. But the reason it, I find it funny is because they 
it's unknowingly. <laughs> there was no intention. Like Nightmare on Elm Street 2. There was no <laughs> plan in place for it to be so. It just turns out that way. <laughs> they are unknowingly they've made this. Uh, and that makes it all the, all the grander. <laughs> all the better. A, but the match itself was another one-sided assault from Gaza before, yes, shoving the rose down Gulak's throat. And that was that. Yep, yeah, is this going to be moving on up for Angel Gaza? Drew Gulak got an entrance this week, so you can tell that they were testing the waters and they were pretty happy with it. So a bit more of a substance to this thing this week. I feel like Angel Gaza and Gulak are about to enter a state of constantly wrestling each other. Because worst case scenario is Damien Priest faces Angel Gaza because <laughs> they got nothing for him after the Miz unfortunately getting his ACL tear. Which does absolutely suck. And to, in, of all matches, to do to have that happen in a zombie lumberjack match, like it was a complete nonsense match, got absolutely crept on. Oh, and to make matters worse, you tore your ACL and you're going to be out for five to seven months. Like, that sucks. <laughs> As in, it screams the kind of thing where the wrestlers involved said something like, right, but there's a trade-off for me doing this. Uh, and then he gets injured for five to seven months. That, that absolutely sucks. Yeah, so, yeah, heart out to him. Heart out to him. Uh, anyway, the uh, 24-7 nonsense returned for the first time in ages. Like, our truth's been on Raw Talk, talking the Raw. It's not really been on the show, even though he's been 24-7 champion this whole time. Uh, anyway, he got we got rolled up by Akira Tozawa, and now he's 24-7 champion. And I watched it, and then I moved on. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, should I care? <laughs> I don't think I should. I don't think I should care. Sure, whatever, whatever. Anyway, Randy Orton with Matt Riddle versus Kofi Kingston with Xavier Woods. RKO, still one of the highlights of Raw for me, even though it was part of the bigger story of Kofi Kingston. Just the dynamic between Riddle and Randy Orton. I feel like there's just so much direction within it. <laughs> so much character. And the duo is still getting laughs out of me. Uh, Riddle animatedly jiving to Orton's entrance as he's trying to be all methodically slow and shit. <laughs> just like, he's like, I'm, I'm trying to get my serious wrestler groove on, Matt, and you're just like, oh, I hear full of things. yeah, oh, isn't it cool? And he's like, stoic, like, mm, serious, I need, I need to be, I need to get sick, can you stop? I'm trying, I need to be, <sighs> it's, it's, I love it. <laughs> it's great. Again, it is just the bros awaits with the, You've got your silly guy and you've got your stoic character. I can't remember what the comedic uh, reference for the two is because I'm a bit too out of it. <laughs> but it was a... Uh, it was a... I just love the pairing still. I love it. I love the pairing. Sure, facing Kofi's got Randy running familiar ropes, which isn't, which isn't a saying, but I really like it. <laughs> but wrapped up in the RKO bro... The RKO bro stuff and a mini Kofi push, it just felt a bit different on this show. It felt like there was something to it. And when it comes to modern day Raw, that really is a positive thing. And you hear me going, like, for Raw, this is a huge positive. Quite a bit throughout this show. It's like, for Raw, I might even lift this off of a 1 out of 5 into 2 or 3. As if for this week, on Raw's kind of level, I'm generally considering it <laughs> this week. There's a lot of little positive things, but it's at Raw's level of positive. Anyway, Orton getting caught up via an easy distraction from Woods' expert trumpeting into a roll-up. A uh, little sign of Orton's head not being in the game. Uh, can see the like the one in uh, the one to RKO riddle in his eyes after the match. But a 
nice evolving of the pair where uh, Randy Orton just walks off up the ramp in anger and Riddle's the one to snap and push Xavier Woods down. It's like, that's not cool, man, what he just did. Like, that's not cool. And it's, uh, as in, that's Riddle saying it to Xavier Woods. And it's not just Randy who's growing as a human being. Evidence there, we're seeing Matt Riddle stand up for Randy Orton and go, no, that was BS, and push the guy down. It's like, it's a little bit of, like, Randy Orton is, like, you know, he's, he's irritated that he likes Riddle. But why, is that, why do I have to put up with this crap? <laughs> why, why do I have to like him? <laughs> but there's also the reverse effect. So Matt Riddle is wearing, a, wearing on Randy Orton in a positive way. But it's happening in the opposite direction as well. There's a little bit of Randy Orton appearing in the Matt Riddle. And that can only be good, right? Like the, for me, the worst case scenario is Helen and Cell the two face each other. Like, uh, just keeps going for a bit. Because we're seeing actual character growth and development, which is so rare on oh, Monday Night Raw. At least it has been. It's something I'd, like this is the kind of thing I'd like to see be commonplace with Monday Night Raw, uh, especially as it just gives your mid card just a little bit something to chew on. It's just not really nice to sit here. I'm really, I'm really high on the arcade broke stuff. <laughs> no pun intended. I am. It's generally, it's generally feels like it's a highlight of every show at this point. It's one of the highlights of Raw every week, and it's no different this week. Uh, so yeah. uh, the opposite of that, we got a women's division band meeting with the uh, tag division, which are, the women's tag division apparently has wrestlers that care about the championships. We don't always get that from the matches, but cool, I guess they care. <laughs> when we, the viewer, have been told, uh, these don't really matter, but apparently there's wrestlers that do care. Uh, when in steps Charlotte Flair for an I'm the best <laughs> kind of whinge, only for Ripley to chop her down, you're nothing but yesterday's jam. Not what she said, but I've been watching IT Crowd. <laughs> so in comes the reference. And after that, we then did go into the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. Later in the show, we got a bit of Charlotte uh, in a really strong match. But first, Sheamus versus Ricochet. Yeah, because so Ricochet got to cut a promo promo before the match. Sheamus came out. They cut to Ricochet in the interview ring. Da -da -da -da. And there he was talking to, I want to say, Sarah Schreiber. And you see, what Ricochet's saying here is that embarrassing Sheamus that's the real victory like it's in spite of then you know losing <laughs> it's just as good as a win is embarrassing Sheamus that, that's the real win here that like, I know I have won when I embarrass Sheamus even though he also beat me <laughs> it's, just, it's like ah yes it's just as good as winning <laughs> creeping back in uh, the lad's taking the piss by nicking the man's jacket and putting on an accent Oh, I'm Ricochet. Because I'm trying to do an American being an, uh, an Irishman, but they tr they tend to go to different places. Like, oh, I am Ricochet. I'm from Ireland. <laughs> it's like, sorry, where in Ireland? <laughs> and are you definitely sure it's Ireland and not also just traversing Europe as you go? <laughs> it's another one. Uh, are you doing the accent of a Dutch person who's lived in Ireland for a couple of years? <laughs> oh, I'm from Ireland. <laughs> it's a... Uh, oh, it's a... Uh, yeah, Irish is not a lot of America's strongest accent, to be fair. To be fair, Australian's the worst. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> In terms of accents uh, of, of what I've seen Americans try, Australian's the worst. I don't, it's, there's something about the, the little quirks of the accent that they're just not recognisable by the... <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know why Americans can't pick on them, as in pick up on the little quirks of things. Uh, obviously not... Um, 
obviously not talking about Americans who are purposely like their careers doing accents. Obviously, they study and pick up on it. But your everyday person, like Richard O'Shea over here, uh, says, yeah, there's a little quirks of the accent just not picked up. So it sounds like you're doing a bit of traversing around the world. <laughs> it's an interesting one. Uh, but still, at least that Irish is better than uh, Australian. I'm pretty certain most Australians will also tell you that. Anyway, uh, unsurprisingly, Ricochet and Sheamus it was quite a strong pairing. It was a, a uh, entertaining match. Even willing, the Irishman, even willing to partake in the uh, flippity flops. It's called high risk for a reason, though, and a Spanish fly off the top led to Richard landing on the Irishman's leg and bending it bad. Like, Sheamus, lucky that wasn't much, much worse. Like, able to finish the match. But the way that Ricochet landed on that leg and he just immediately saw it bend, you're like, oh, crap. Like, is this the most cursed division in WWE? Like, just for this to happen. First last week with Humberto Carrillo, then this here. It's like, it's people just escaping major injury. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear. Uh, anyway, Ricochet's always been amazing in the ring. It's just that WWE has never had any idea as to what to do with him and here again with a wee bang over match ending with an awesome like near moonsaulting man <laughs> spot for a close fall and then just followed up with a bro kick and yeah uh, I, I will say I popped for Seamus after the match calling him Rick O'Shea just like oh yes there we go with his Irish heritage and a and he was one of the other people to also give a wee nod to Lashley's open challenge from the US for an open challenge, I realised I was about to repeat myself. A little applause for whenever WWE remembers that these characters live in the same world. But that was the kind of feeling throughout the entire show. Where somebody would do a match, but then afterwards they'd go, Lashley's got an open challenge. I'm obviously considering it. And I like that. It made it feel important, even though in the end they just pulled the rug out from under you. And it's you're meant to have felt got. I'm not entirely sure that's the feeling I had. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Ricochet Sheamus was unsurprisingly strong. Sheamus' streak continues. Hopefully he's not like twerked something and he's perfectly fine. Or tweaked something, sorry. <laughs> Monday. Uh, proof I'm tired. Uh, but yeah. As I get the image of Sheamus twerking. <laughs> that's the end of that segment. I need to move on. <laughs> Uh, we, we also got Retribution continuing that aura of everybody gunning for Bobby Lashley's challenge. Uh, even if their, their entire aura for this promo is, we're just a bit shite, aren't we? <laughs> we're just, well, this, is, this gimmick's a bit crap. Uh, uh, impressed with Mace, flipping a coin and uh, catching it and then delivering his line. Like, like just, just like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. <laughs> just flip, a, flip a coin, catch it, deliver a villainous line. It's like, uh, because I grew up with Batman and Forever, I'll always find that cool, even if, if the bottom of the barrel heel personas are doing it. <laughs> I still feel really high on it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Asuka versus Charlotte was up next. And Con was the commentators going, the stakes are high for this one. And I'm like, apparently. <laughs> this just like a, a match that could have implications for a future Raw Women's Championship opportunity. And for me, that screams... It's just another Raw repeat. Like, what else are they going to do? <laughs> what else is a repeat match? Obviously. That said, this was an absolute banger of a match. Like, unfortunately, having to adjust among uh, wardrobe malfunction, but it, like, it wasn't enough to take much away Like when these women have such fantastic chemistry. Wrestled at such a great pace, with both women adjusting really well on the fly. And, uh, yeah, like, yes, there were... 
constantly throughout this match, or multiple times, it had to cut to black. Charlotte was having absolutely major issues, and obviously that puts a hindrance on the flow. We still had an audience coming through, but as an audience, seeing black, it just it breaks your immersion, obviously, and that's not what you want in the middle of the match, which obviously sucks. I'm assuming this is probably the end of the cow gear. Sorry, <laughs> that was my immediate reaction. Was seeing, it was like, oh, she's just as a moo cow. <laughs> I know like, it's 101 Dalmatians, Greta Deville. Obviously, thank you, Twister, for saving me last night and not embarrassing myself and going, oh, there she was as a moo cow. <laughs> like, no, 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 Greta Deville. Ah, yes, I've got that on VHS or had it on VHS. It's probably at the parents <laughs> somewhere. Who knows? Why, why am I going on this tangent? Let's get off it. <laughs> but yeah, this was a banger of a match. Where, because it's WWE as well, Ripley made her way out midway through, which set up the interference later on in the match to cause the ending. Uh, the only thing out of the column there was earlier in the show, as I was saying, she came in and she was saying that she wants a new contender, which Charlotte Flair is not, according her yesterday's jam. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's then odd to see her come out to specifically get at Charlotte. It was like, well... Why are you out there then if you don't, if you're like, I'm moving on? She's out there though, because who else is she going to face if it's not Asuka or Charlotte? Same issue with the men's division. Nobody else has been built up, so you either need time to do it, or you just go with the same again. Not too many complaints though, like when I get to watch Flair, versus, Flair and Asuka wrestle silky smooth at an awesome pace for like 10 to 15 minutes, I'm a happy boy. Like It's one of the things where, in isolation, absolutely just top notch. All the way across. It's just like, it's the it's the other stuff, like the Monday Night Raw things that creep in, which for me just obviously make it feel part of the show. But an absolute highlight of this week's show. Counters galore among the familiarity, which they got across really well just with the sheer amount of counters. Asuka having an answer for almost all of Charlotte's tricks, be it a roll-up, be it a transition into a move, uh, natural selection or whatever. Asuka had the answers. And I like the fact we saw that again and again. It wasn't just one or two. It was, no, these are these two are really familiar. You're going to see it for almost like just every major attempt at anything. Uh, the Queen also had answers for a lot of, sh- of Asuka's offence, but it felt like Asuka got to be the one shown to correctly answer the most questions. Uh, Flair distracted by Ripley and moulded up in a counter of a figure eight counter of a roll-up counter, <laughs> which is just a perfect example of the sheer amount of counters to get across that familiarity there was in this match. Like, even if the... Beat was standard WWE distraction stuff. The quality was so much higher in the way of just the way the ending went down. Asuka wins, but they absolutely nailed that feeling that it could have been either one of them, and I can't applaud them more for that. And it's for me the wardrobe, uh, the wardrobe, the wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, it sucks because this match had such an incredible pace that unfortunately they took away from it, like having to cut to black having to go to the ringside to kind of sort, try and sort the stuff out. And it seemingly was a problem that continued throughout the entire match. But they still got those energy moments. Uh, and it was a really strong match. Yeah. Great, really good stuff. Easily the match of the night. And it's not even close. <laughs> like the, the thing of the night. Yeah, re- really, really positive on that match. Uh, it's just, yeah, without the modern functions, we're talking about one of the best raw teddy matches of the year. Which is why it sucks that they happened. Because <laughs> it, it was such a strong match. That's it. Anyway, the final segment to talk about from Monday Night Raw this week. The Lumberjack match. Damien Priest versus John Morrison. Immediately. Why? 
Because there's only one way to follow up a lumberjack match, and that's with a lumberjack match. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it's oh, it's genius booking. And obviously, as I talked about earlier, sucky news coming out of backlash that Miz may have torn his ACL. Five to seven months is a sucky injury, and to get it in that zombie lumberjack match, like of all matches, you get it in that nonsense as well. Like, oh, that's a double whammy of sucky. Uh, yeah, he may be out for months. So, yeah. Uh, what sucks for Miz, maybe good news for Priest fans, as he surely gets to move on now. As in, they don't have a choice in the matter anymore. Surely. <laughs> We're not going to get Priest versus Morrison every week. We had it like three or four weeks since WrestleMania, and in the build-up to WrestleMania, we got to see it as well. Like, Priest versus Morrison. But Morrison is really, really good at making Priest look like a million bucks. The only problem is we've seen it about eight times in two months, like two or three months. Like, that's too much. <laughs> I am done seeing this match, even though, like, they're a very good pairing. It's just, yeah, I'm done with it. Ah. But yes, Morrison was parkouring around the Lumberjacks, like, a bit of impressive fun before the big lad then slammed him flat on his back. The, like, the fuse between the Jacks themselves led into our closing run of chaos. Was again, like, nice to see WWE not forget things like Alexander and Benjamin's tiff. It's like, yeah, you didn't just drop it because they didn't have a match this week. So like, no, you found a way to weave it in. And, yeah, continuity in WWE deserves a golf clap. <laughs> uh, Morrison, yeah, again, a great opponent for Priest. Really awesome at helping the big lad look fantastic. Just a shame we've seen it a dozen times too many already. Uh, fingers crossed this is the end of the arc. And, like, Miz's incredibly sucky injury could be that nail. Like, to be fair, that they probably don't have a choice anymore. What's he going to do next? And, again, my biggest worry is they haven't got anything and um, Priest might just float about now until, the, until Money in the Bank he's got nothing to do, he'll float about maybe have a couple matches go into something, that's my biggest worry, hopefully not like, like for me even even facing the Angel Garza because they did face each other in the Miz storyline that feels like a drop down because they're building up Angel Garza after he's been flatlined as nothing completely flattened to not even someone you should be concerned about existing on the show. They're building him back up again. So to have him face Priest, Priest has got to win that. And that sucks for Gaza. <laughs> just, uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see who Priest faces. I was just in my head like, who is Priest interacting with? Oh, I guess there. I guess Gaza. But they're building him back up and they're building Priest back up. So you have, I don't know who Priest faces, but it's not them. And it's not Elias. I hope to God it's not Elias. <laughs> Please. He's a complete wrong opponent uh, for that. Uh, anyway, well, there was one more segment. And that was uh, Eva Marie, who got a Hollywood VTR play play. Uh, yeah, the last, for me, the last, she's going to be a great heel with like all of this, like, I want to be the star for you people to look up to. Like, all of that BS. <laughs> Potentially great stuff on the horizon. I was a big fan of both of her NXT run and her SmackDown run. Purely because she wasn't that strong a wrestler, but in an era where they where they have got a much stronger roster, and they were able to play off of that, and her character really exuded it, and this the, the idea that she may not be an in ring competitor, she may be working as a manager. I feel like that can work. Really, really strong. Because the issue was always going to be when she wrestled, and it was, it was the entertainment was seeing her. Knowing that she isn't that great, but finding multiple ways to get out of it. But if you take away that aspect of her having to wrestle, case solved. 
just case old. <laughs> End of that. And if she's a manager and she does those tricks, well, that makes sense because she's a manager. She would do that, like Bobby Heenan. It's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to get myself too excited. Because, <laughs> uh, again, it's Monday Night Raw. It's the women's division on Raw, which, oh, it's needed a lot of work. Uh, but, yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it could be going somewhere. I, I'm all for her listen, elevating herself as this grand, amazing person. Uh, in an amazing heel act. We'll see, we'll see. Anyway, my voice really is going, and I, I need it for tomorrow <laughs> for the NXT review. So anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with the NXT review at around the same time for about six EST. And then it's AEW immediately afterwards. Wednesdays are fun. Wednesdays are good. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat. The damn, damn. And also over on Twitch at the implications. Tomorrow I'm sweet, streaming at 630 G, no, it's BST, because that's what the time I'm on now, which is, inconveniently, I think that's about 1.30 EST. Because <laughs> that's not a great American time. Also, you can follow Wrestling Headlines over on Twitter at Russell Headlines and on Facebook at Wrestling Headlines. There's no app, but it's, uh, it's popular. It's doing well. Anyway, yes. So with that, what did you make of the Kofi Kingston stuff on this one? Like, oh, are you with me that Kofi Kingston is being elevated into a main event slot, or... Is this just like a side thing to continue us through the TV until we get to Hell in a Cell and Lashley McIntyre? Are you excited for either or? I think I'm fine with either or. If it makes the TV stronger, why would I complain? It's <laughs> my main point. My main gripe is how bad voice as a show. So if this gives substance to the show and direction, like a, a rivalry that isn't directly with McIntyre for Lashley to kind of jump into, why would I complain about that? Not everything has to be <laughs> directly main event for the pay-per-view and you're still building to it without giving us Lashley McIntyre, which is my main thing. You're giving us variety on the road to build up to the thing. Because scary enough, the audience remembers who they're feuding with, don't need to repeat it 20 million times or have them only interact with those people so that you know. It's like, no, you can, you can have them wrestle other people. The audience will remember. It's fine. And if you're worried, just play a video package. It's fine. <laughs> Got three hours to film. It's fine. Ah. Anyway... With that, I say thank you for watching, liking, viewing, uh, engaging in any form, in any manner. Greatly appreciated, as always. And I'll be back tomorrow with the NHC review. So with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.